0: Oh, this morning, guys, uh, the title of my message this morning is Not Everybody is a Fisherman. Let's pray, because we're going to need it. Lord, we pray right now that your spirit would lead us and guide us as we open up your word and we look at ourselves and we look at how we can make adjustments to become more of who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, um, so... I got to go fishing about a year ago, um, up to Alaska with Jesse. I see Jesse back there, and Dick's back there. And we went fishing, and these guys know I'm, I'm not much of a fisherman, and, uh, but when I was a kid, we, you know, we'd go trout fishing with my dad, and, uh, and I loved the, the catching of the fish, and the pull, reeling it in, and seeing how big it's gonna be, and feeling that sense of accomplishment. I just loved that, okay? Um, but as time went on, I just never went back to do it very often. And I started realizing when I went up to Alaska, and I, I was having fun because we were catching fish and, and big salmon and everything, and, and I was loving it. And, and just the whole energy of, of landing one of those fishes was awesome. But then, when Dick's son tells me that I need to kill it, I'm like... I'll just watch you do it, and and he's like, no, no, no. Here's how you do it. He's, and he just takes the big old uh, stick and hits it over the head, and the fish is just, you know, and hits it again. And it's done. Okay. And I'm like going, okay, I, I can try that. And so so I take my fish and I lay it on the on the bank and I grab that that mallet and or the the stick and and uh, I look at it and it's and I it looking at me going. Please don't kill me, don't kill me!" And I'm like, "Oh, honey, I'm so sorry. But, and so I just go to hit it, and I, I, I couldn't do it, so I just looked away, and I just went, boom, and I missed him. So I looked again and got a good shot, and I boom and got him. I felt so bad. And it was like, I know I'm not designed to be a fisherman. I can fish. I can catch fish. But I'm not a fisherman. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm not a hunter. I, I can't even kill spiders. My wife says, can you get that out of here? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I get a napkin. I pick it up. And I take it outside about 20 feet from the front door. Let it go. Goodbye. And... and I can't do it. I don't know what it is. And um, so it's just not my thing. And it's interesting that sometimes when we see people that are are fishermen or hunters or artists or musicians or singers or, or people that are great administrators or great organizers, oftentimes we compare ourselves with people who have giftings or even callings and we compare it against ourselves and we come up short and when we do that what happens is we get focused in on what we're not instead of what God made us to be and just because I go fishing doesn't mean I'm a fisherman but just because I'm not a fisherman doesn't mean I can't go fishing and and so I, I want to to, today, to look at some things about our gifts and our talents and our, our personalities and, our, and the callings of God in our life. And today, I want you to look within yourself today. Because I think that sometimes the reason that we don't pursue our own giftings and our own talents is because we are looking at what we're not instead of looking at who God wired us to be. Okay? And so if you would look in Matthew chapter four, Matthew chapter four, starting with verse 18, we have this, 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 this uh, place in Jesus' life where he begins to put his team together, his ministry team together. And it says in verse 18, it says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, which I will be at in January with a handful of you here, going to Israel. It's going to be an exciting time. We're going to go to the, sh- the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. It's interesting that Jesus took what these guys did for a living and he converted it into a kingdom purpose. Are are you following me? You see, there's, there's things that some of you do really naturally. Some of you are great mechanics, electricians, great moms, great dads, great carpenters, great landscapers, artists, musicians, there's people that are really great at something, right? Uh, and, but you've never ever considered how to use it to expand God's kingdom. And Jesus says, hey, I'm going to show you how, just like you know how to fish, I'm going to show you how to fish for people. And all of a sudden, he used what they did in the natural and converted it into a spiritual calling on their lives, And I believe that God wants to do that with some of you here today. In fact, he wants to do it with all of us. But some of you are already tapped into your calling, your purpose, and things like that. But some of us uh, have a hard time finding that thing that's for us because we're very aware of our weaknesses, but we're not very aware of our strengths, the giftings of God that are on us. It's amazing to me that there's times when we've had internships and we've had different small group gatherings and stuff. I ask people to make a list of all of their weaknesses, and they come up with all kinds of them, all the things that they can't do. And then I say, now make a list of your strengths, and people sit there for a while before they even write one word. And so the way that we look at ourselves oftentimes is very critical, and a lot of times through the eyes of somebody that we're not. But not everybody's called to be a fisherman. And so I want to, there's a couple thoughts that come to people's minds when we start getting on this topic. And the reason I wanted to share this with you today is because last week after the service, many people came up to me said, I'm not really sure what God wants me to do. And so I think I started meditating on that. I go, you know what, I need to address this. And so I started writing some things down and I wanna share them with you today. First of all, there's some thoughts that go through people's minds. The first one is a thought that says, is there something specific that God wants me to do? Like, I mean, is he like waiting for me to hear what he's trying to tell me, that there is a job or a certain skill or a certain ministry or calling or something like that that he wants me to do? And if I don't get it right, am I out of his will? So I think this, should, this talk today will help us with that a bit. And that question of, what is God's will for me? Or how do I know if I have a calling? Okay. How do I know I have a calling? Or how do I get past my weaknesses? I got so many weaknesses in my life and in my Background that how do I get past that and get into where I'm succeeding? Here's another question that comes to mind. Is there one calling? Is there one calling? And is it forever? Or does it shift or change? Do I get to choose that calling? Or does God choose it? Okay. And so... When we see this story of Jesus, we see that Jesus was walking along the shore of Galilee and the guys were doing their work, they were doing their business, they were doing their craft, their skill, their trade and Jesus calls them and I think that that's what God does with us is he starts calling us out of our everyday life. He starts, he starts using the things that we are good at, start using the things that are interest us, the things that we make a living doing, the resources that we've ac- uh, accumulated, uh, the skills that we've learned, the things we picked up from our dad or our mom, the things that we learned in school, the things that we learned at previous jobs, the mistakes that we've made and gained some wisdom from. He, and he comes along and he, and he begins to say, Come here. I got something for you to do. And I think that that happens at different times of our lives. But just because you don't know what you're calling us doesn't mean you can't go fishing. You see what I'm saying? Just because you don't see yourself as a fisherman doesn't mean you can't say yes to go fishing. Okay. Um, and so, just because you don't know what your calling is, or you don't know that God has called you into something specific or to um, a certain path, doesn't mean you can't start throwing your nets out, trying new things, experimenting. Last night, Tina and I were at a friend of mine's uh, birthday, 75th birthday party, and they had a jazz band there, and he was a lead singer in the jazz band and he was out there just using his gift and I believe it was a calling in his life but the interesting thing is is that this guy experimented with so many different things and I said Jim you you try so many things you you start so many things I go, why do you do so many? He goes, because some stuff just doesn't work. So you have to try a lot of things. I thought that was pretty profound. A lot of people are waiting until they get the perfect answer from God and the perfect path forward before they'll start anything. But he's willing to experiment and try new things and see what works with who he is. And one of the things that worked for him was being in a jazz band. And he uses uh, music for ministry. And, uh, and so, I want to have you turn to Ephesians chapter two. And let's talk about this concept of, is there one will or one plan that God does want us to accomplish or do, okay? In Ephesians chapter two, starting with verse eight, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed you can't take credit for this, for it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Okay, now look at this. He's saying that you are God's masterpiece, not because of what you accomplished, or what you've done, or what you're doing. You are just God's masterpiece, Period. And some of you guys look at God's failed, ex- you look at yourself as God's failed experiment, experiment. And he sees you as his masterpiece. And we need to start aligning ourselves with how God sees us instead of the way the world sees us or the way that we see us or the way our ex-spouse sees us or our kids that are uh, disconnected from us see us. We gotta start seeing ourselves the way God made us to be and we, so that we can start living the way that God called us to live, okay? So now notice this. It says that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. In other words, you get to start over. You get to start fresh. There's something that happens when Christ comes in and starts motivating you, driving you, causing you to think differently, act differently, pursue different things, and live in a way that is honoring to God. There is something that happens when God creates us new in Christ Jesus. He says that he creates us new in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. Now, notice this. It says so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. There's two things in there that are almost opposite of each other he planned good things for you to do but he didn't say what they are he just says good things that's pretty general so very specific that God planned it but very general that it's good things so you get to determine those good things And that comes by having a relationship with God. Now, when we were singing that worship song at the end, I just want to be where you are. And then it goes into a line that says, holy, holy, holy. And people don't realize what's being said there is, God, you're not like us. Your thoughts are different than our thoughts because holy means set aside for a purpose. Set aside for a person or pulled out from among them for a special sacred cause. But that's what Jesus was. But Jesus says that we are a holy people. In other words, a set aside people called to do good works. Now, we don't do good works according to this passage. We don't do good works so that we can be approved by God and be saved. We do good works because we are saved. Because God has connected with us and we've connected with God. And so those good works that God planned long ago will never happen until you decide that you want to allow those good works to flow through you. Now, the interesting thing is, I love this where it says, He planned them long ago. Long ago. So even before you were in the womb, the scriptures tells us that before you were even in the womb, God knew you. And so when he created you, and this is, this is what a lot of people don't understand, is that when a child is conceived in the womb, it had already been alive before it got there. Okay? Because it was alive in the spirit. And so God begins to put inside each and every one of us almost like a programmed DNA that it makes us different and unique from everybody else. But in that, is your ability to do good works that make a difference in this world. If you go back to the story of Adam and Eve, one of the things that God did with Adam is he gave Adam a purpose, Adam and Eve a purpose, by saying, go out and till that ground and make the earth produce. Make it bring forth fruit. So he gave him a, a sense of purpose. This is why it's really dangerous if people spend uh, long periods of time without work. Uh, because they lose a sense of purpose. You see, when you're providing for your family, when you're providing for yourself, or when you're providing for yourself and being able to give towards others, then you have a sense of purpose. But when you're out there not earning a living there's a problem that takes a place. If you're retired and you're just sitting in a recliner and you're not out there working for the kingdom or for your neighborhood or for your grandkids or your great grandkids or something along those lines, something, you gotta have some sort of sense of purpose. And in the kingdom of God, we see that we are supposed to bring forth fruit just like Adam and Eve did and we pull it out of the earth, out of the resources of our world, out of the resources of our life. We pull out something that brings forth fruit just like Adam and Eve were told to by the Lord. And so is there something specific that God wants me to do? Well, uh, I, I think it's as specific as you allow it to be and you pursue it to be because there's this, this partnership that happens. We are co-creators with God. We don't wait around for God to do it all and we better not do it all. Do you, are, you, are you following me? There's some people that feel like they have to do it all And they leave God out. And then there's other people that are sitting around waiting for God to do something. And God's saying, when are you going to get going? And so there's this blend of God works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So he works in you. But if you shut off, if you cut yourself out of that equation, then all of a sudden we don't get much specific done. You follow me? So we got to have our... Our will, our our human flesh, our human knowledge, our human experience, our human resources—we put it all together with the right spirit that comes from God. Now, this also addresses this idea of, uh, you know, is there? You know, what is the will of God for my life? Like, what what is what is God's will anyway? Well, a lot of times people try to turn God's will into a specific task instead of a specific spirit. So in Micah chapter six and verse eight, it says this. It says that, that there are, listen, there was the prophet Micah, and he says it like this. I don't have it on the screen, but um, the prophet Micah says, says it like this, and he says, okay, people, I'm paraphrasing here. Okay, people. Here's how it goes. You're wanting to know what God requires of you. You want to know what God's will is for your life. Well, here here it is. What you need to do is you need to love mercy. You need to do justice, and you need to walk humbly with God. Three things. These are the three things that we need to do, okay? Love mercy, do justice, walk humbly with God. Okay, Now, what is that describing? That's describing a spirit and a motivation, an intent, okay? Now, it doesn't say what justice you're supposed to, to do. It doesn't say who you're gonna show mercy to. And it doesn't show tell you the details of what it means to be humble, okay? And so, but what it's doing is it's shaping your spirit. And so, God's will is more that you do the things that you choose to do, that you're inspired to do, that you feel led to do, that you want to do, that you're passionate about doing it. If you do that with this spirit, where you take your resource, you take your time, and you take your heart, and your prayers, and your 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 desires, and all that. And you channel it towards something that shows mercy, or that loves mercy, and does justice, and walks humbly with God. And when you do that, man, something amazing happens. You know, have you ever noticed... When you see somebody of great wealth and they have a humble spirit, I think we're all attracted to that dude, <laughs> that guy, that, um, I, in fact, I know a, a specific guy, I'm not gonna mention his name, but I, this, this one guy, that's probably uh, the most wealthy guy in our, our, our area out here. And how he shows up in his 1978 Ford pickup truck to work every morning. And you look at it, just a simple little truck. And people ask him all the time, "It was when are you going to get a new car? He goes, I like my truck. <laughs> Guy's got bucks, like crazy. And the types of things he does for the community, nobody ever knows about. There's something attractive about that. And so when we talk about the will of God, start looking at it as having the right spirit having the right motivation, having the right desires and the right intent for your life. And so that's the will of God, not that you sing on the stage at Real Life Church. Okay, if you want to do that, God's going to get behind you, but make sure you do it with the right spirit that has a spirit of humility, right? If you're going to go out there and you're going to, you're going to be a mechanic and you're going to do some things for Vi Maple Place and fix all their cars or something like that, do it with the right spirit. So the will of God is not that you go do the Vine Maple Place mechanic stuff. The will of God is that you do whatever you choose to do with the right spirit. So when it comes to finding your place and getting so that you can find, make sure that you're in your niche where things are working and flowing, here's some things I want you to write down. And and if you take this home and you meditate on these things, I think that you'll find that any of the questions that you have about the will of God for your life and the, or the, the calling of God on your life, I think that you'll see that some of these things will be answered in this. First thing, number one. Make sure that you know your strengths more than you know your weaknesses. Okay? Make a list of everything you're great at. Everything. And if you can't think of it much, get somebody that's close to you and say, hey, what do you see me being great at? Okay, What do you see me being great at? But make sure that you know your strengths, okay? Second thing is, make sure that you know what you're passionate about. What is it, what are, you know, you can tell that God is at work when you get passionate about things, and when you're angry, when certain things take place in society, it's a a passion that has been awakened. If you wake up in the morning thinking about certain things, it's probably because of a passion. When I first became a Christian, um, it was interesting because, so my fisherman experience of my Christian walk was looking back at looking at what I was good at in high school. And even though I wasn't a Christian, and even though I was running hard because of things that were going on in my life, I started noticing that all the things that I was good at were starting to be transitioned over into my serving of the Lord. And um, and just like these fishermen were called out to be used to be fisher of men, I was being called out to do something with young people. Because when I, when I was in high school, I, when I first got my, my first car, I would come home from work. And when I would come down to the end of the street, I'd start honking my horn. And all the kids in the neighborhood would come over. And they would come over, and I'd empty my pockets out. I had quarters and nickels and dimes and stuff like that that I would have in there, and I'd hand them out money sometimes. Sometimes I had candy or whatever, and I would tell them stories. All the neighborhood kids would just come over. We'd sit in the front yard, and they would come over. And the parents oftentimes wanted me to babysit, but I wouldn't babysit. I just wanted to tell stories to kids, right? Babysitting seemed like a girl's thing to me at the time, so I just, no, ain't doing that. Nope, nope, not doing that. But when I started dating Tina, she noticed that. She noticed that these kids, I mean, why do you do that? It's like, because I like kids. Kids are cool. And when I became a Christian, what's was the first thing I started doing? Working with kids. And pretty soon I started working with teenagers. I started realizing is I really like pastoring people. I like this. I like being a youth pastor. I loved it. But you know, the interesting thing is as time went on, things started to change, and all of a sudden, I realized the grace of leading young people was starting to lift, but I still wanted to pastor. So I started exploring, how do I use this gift that I have of connecting with people on a soul level? How can I use it now that I no longer wanted to be a youth pastor? And that's when Tina and I decided that we wanted to start a church. But it was a a slow process. It started with fishing, if you will. But not everybody's called to be a fisherman. And so I started being called to young people. Then I realized, oh, it's not just young people, it's pastoring in general. And now I pastor a church. It's interesting. Then Pastor Taylor started following in my same footsteps. there's no wonder Taylor became a youth pastor when I used to take him in the bus to go get the, or to take him in the car to go get the bus that we used to go to summer camp or to all of our youth outings. And he'd ride with me and we'd go fill up the bus and we'd go pick up the kids, we'd clean up the bus and we'd ride together. And he'd be with the teenagers when he was very young. And all of a sudden God started waking something up inside of him. And for the last 13 years, he's been our youth pastor. But now the same thing that happened to me is happening to him. He's starting to feel this shift. Okay, what's my next thing? So he's shifting his role as well. In fact, your last Wednesday with the youth is two weeks, the 21st. And, uh, but he's already into a new role. He's our executive pastor now, and he oversees our staff and everything, but it's a shift but it uses his giftings and his talents. And things evolve with time. But let me get back onto it. It all started with passion. Something that you're passionate about. What are you passionate about? Are you passionate about anything? And if you can't think of anything you're passionate about, you you, you need to start thinking about it. Asking God, hey, wake this up inside of me, Lord. Here's the third thing. What do other people see in you? What do other people see? What do other people say? Do they say, oh man, you're really good, you're a great singer, you're a great organizer, you're a great writer, you're a, you're, you're a great decorator, you're a great this? Whatever people see in you, listen to it very carefully. When you hear a pattern of more than one person or two or three people say, I'm not talking about your mom, your mom thinks you do everything awesome. Okay? Don't listen to just your mom, okay? But if what your mom is saying lines up with other, what other people are saying, then you're okay, okay? Okay? And then ask yourself, what comes easy? What comes easy to you? These are all indicators that you're on your way to finding the place that you belong. Here's another thing. What keeps you up at night? What never leaves you? What keeps coming back to you? you keep wanting to get this thing done. You keep wanting to start this thing. You've always wanted to do this. You start looking at it and you can start to see that God is calling you out from your fisher fisherman job into doing something for him. Now, here's a tip for you. And we're going to wrap this up. I I need you to understand this this is so so important is that Everything that you do in the natural, whether it's fishing, or it's riding, or it's crafting, or it's making cakes, whatever the thing that is that you do, there is a way that you can turn that into a kingdom purpose. There is a way. You just need to get before the Lord, talk to some of your friends, and say, hey, how could I use this to honor God? It's really sad to me that there are so many people that have gifts and talents that serve them so well, but nobody benefits from it. There are some people sitting in, I think of this one guy that I know. He's passed away about 10 years ago. But he would sit in his basement and work on jewelry. Oh, he loved it. Didn't sell jewelry. Did didn't even give it away. He just liked making it. When he passed away, there was boxes and boxes and boxes of jewelry. Nobody wore it. Nobody saw it. In fact, if you went down into the basement when he was working on it, he would shoo you out of there. But he got a lot of benefit from it. He loved it. He loved doing it. But he spent hours and hours away from his kids, away from his grandkids, away from his friends. Secluded using his gift and his talent, and nobody benefited. In God's kingdom, we don't do it that way. Scripture tells us it's very clear that we're not supposed to hide our light underneath a bushel, underneath a basket, but we're supposed to do our good works in a way that people can see it. And when you hide your gift and your talent, man, nobody sees it, nobody benefits. But you. Folks, we need to shift. We need to shift from being self-serving to being otherly with our gifts and our talents. Some of you really have amazing companies or you have amazing businesses, you have amazing investments, you have an amazing ability to build things, you have amazing ability to collect things. You have so many skills and attributes that are so amazing, but the people that benefit the most is you. And when you become part of God's kingdom, you go out and you become fishers of men. You go out and you let your light shine so that people can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Would you stand up to your feet? I want to end with this song. And uh, as we do... I want you to listen to this real quickly. And if this is you, I'd like you to come down here and pray for you, okay? Those of you that are at home, listen. Seriously, I want you to think about this. If you feel yourself being pulled to a certain cause, I want you to stand up right in your living room, sit up straight in your car, wherever you're watching this. If you're here in the room, I want you to be honest with yourself. Do you feel yourself being called to a certain cause? Or do you have a specific problem that you feel you want to solve? You see something in our world that's broken and you feel called to it. You're feeling like, man, I need to do something about that problem. Or maybe you have a skill or a career or a resource that you want to use to make a difference but you just don't know how. I wanna pray for you. So if you just bow your heads, <coughs> if you can answer, yes, yeah, that's me, to any one of those statements, you feel like, yeah, now is the time. I gotta start using this one gift that I have. I gotta start pursuing this certain cause. I need to start solving this problem. I want you to come down here and we're gonna pray for you really quick, if that's you. Just slip out from your row right now. If you feel that God is nudging you, you just sense that, Man, I see some problems ahead and I know God wants me to be a part of fixing those problems. I feel like I'm wired for it. I want you to just come down here and stand in the front here and we're going to pray for you. Come on. And listen, when Jesus called... When Jesus called, he said, Guys, I'm going to show you how to become fishers of men. I know that there's some people, you've been nudged. In the middle of the night, you wake up knowing that you're supposed to respond to the call. You know that you have these gifts that you need to start sharing with others. I want you to come down. Come on, be bold. Come on down, we'll pray for you. The rest of you out there, just stretch your hands out towards these folks right here. month. I know there's some that are being nudged right now. There's something that God is trying to alert you to. He's trying to stir your heart. He's trying to stir your faith. He's trying to stir your actions. There is nothing like your love. Jesus, there is nothing like your love. Oh. Pray that you would awaken them in the hearts of every person that's in this room, those that came forward and those that are in their seats, Lord father those that are still in the boat casting their nets lord i pray that you would reach them and show them how to use those nets to capture people for the kingdom of god in a beautiful way god i pray for the artists that are in this room i pray for the creatives i pray for the the people who are administrative in nature God, those that are, that, that are great with organization, those that are great with carpentries, great with their hands, great with their minds, great with their hearts, great with their, their story, great with their past, and great with their vision. God, I pray that you would stir this congregation with great vision, and may the calling of God become real to them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name amen 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 listen for this to happen guys a a connection with the Holy Spirit a connection with Jesus is so important if you've never made Jesus your Lord you've never been filled with the Spirit of God I encourage you to come and talk to these prayer partners that are up here in the front and get that started because it's out of that relationship with God like even when we're singing this song what we're talking about i just want to be where you are when you're singing songs like that when God's going to put desires and pictures in your mind and in your heart of things he wants you to do things he wants you to reform things he wants you to repair that will happen out of that relationship and that connection that you have with God and if you don't seem to have that connection come and get prayer and these prayer partners will help you and get you started, get you on the right track because that's where it's birthed right there. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.